What was it called? Uh, Donutology. Uh, they're from Meadville, but they they come up to Erie frequently. They they pretty much like stay on like Western PA, like between like Meadville and Erie. I don't know if they ventured down into Pittsburgh yet. Um, but mm. they are kind of a newer truck. So um, if you're in the Western PA area and you uh, hear of Donutology, or just check them out on Facebook, I guess. But yeah, Grace got a fruity pebble donut, which is one of her favorite ah. like, artsy donuts. And I got uh, yeah. uh, what was very fitting for me, a cookies and cream donut with Oreo crumbles on top called the Joe Dirt. <laughs> yeah, I, I would expect a, a food truck called Donutology to dabble in the you know, voodoo style donuts oh, yeah. where they're just putting oh, crazy yeah. shit on top. Not and, um, yeah, making no- them as big as possible, maybe. Not bad prices either. I mean, I wouldn't say like they're huge donuts. They're definitely like uh, just like fry cake size. Uh, Normal donuts, I think, were like two for three. Specialty donuts were two for five. Yeah, not bad. Here I am doing a full commercial for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Walk up to the truck and just say no hugging, and then you'll get your free (laughs) donut. (laughs) Demand your free donut. God, I, 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 they were good. Okay, and end of end of donutology talk. <laughs> Do you have um? Have you ever had duck donuts? No. Where is that from? Well, I'm pretty sure it started in Duck, North Carolina, which is a little town on the Outer Banks. Okay. But and so there's one there, and then there's like one. There's like I think maybe two or three around the Outer Banks area. But oddly enough, there's also one just outside of Pittsburgh where we live. And I'm like, duck really? donuts. Yeah, it must be one of those things where the people like I've never looked it up. This is just my assumption that like they live or they're from Pittsburgh. They'd vacation in the Outer Banks. They opened up a place, and then they're like, "Well, might as well open up another place <laughs> where we live other times of the year." So yeah. I, that's just my guess. I really have no idea, but it's. I think there's like a few in the Outer Banks, and then one in Pittsburgh. I'm like, huh? Interesting. But okay. they also do. So they do. They're kind of like the subway or blaze pizza model of donuts because they just make a ton of regular glazed and then you pick the icing mm. and you pick the toppings and yeah okay uh, so it's you know you're like all right yeah give me um you know peanut butter topping and then put some bacon on there and fruity pebbles Ooh, and then like that's okay. your yeah now uh, it's like pay by the topping i guess y- you may have heard of this let me raise you another pittsburgh based donut chain uh have you heard of peace loving little donuts i have i've never uh had them though they're they're really good. They're what you would expect. They are tiny donuts, um, but they do mm-hmm. exactly that. Uh, it, it's like the the Chipotle style for for donuts, um, but they also have like a bunch uh-huh. of like pre made recipes as well. Ah, well, looking. I was just looking at the Duck Donuts website, and it looks like there's a shitload of locations. So oh, okay. There's not. <laughs> I guess they are like a giant chain now. But I thought they were made. Yeah, I thought I, they were made. Uh, yeah, Tim, have you ever heard of this you know, uh, this mom and pop general store? It's called a uh, Walmart. <laughs> Dunk in, Dunk in Donuts. So it, they did start. I was right though. They did start in Duck, North Carolina. Oh, okay. But I don't know where they. It, it doesn't say where he was from before that. Just that they vacationed yeah, I'll, there. I'll, so. I'll tell you, no one, no one bake, no one makes a better cup of coffee than my buddy Tim. You know him, Tim Horton. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a there's two hundred and wait, yeah, there's at least two hundred and twenty two duck donuts locations now. Jesus Christ! I know. So yeah, those are all. They're like all franchises, but yeah, it's a, it's a small location, a couple in North yeah. Carolina and one in Pittsburgh. Just a few. Just yeah. a few. It really like, has though. I mean, less to than give you five an, for sure. There was only twenty nine back in twenty fourteen. Oh wow! There was, so they exploded. Okay. Yeah, there was four up until twenty twelve. <laughs> And now there's over 200. So I guess I just haven't updated my Duck Donuts history uh, page in, since in my 2012. Brain in a while. Yeah, since about 2012. That might be the last time I was actually down in the Outer Banks. Come to think of it. Wow, I, I would. That'd be that'd be crazy if that's real. Like the, the last time that you were in the Outer Banks and saw a Duck Donuts and like maybe talked to a person like, oh yeah, we've just got four locations, and that just stuck in your head for the next nine years. Oh yeah, they've got four locations. Meanwhile, they have must 200 have. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so oh, get, get your free Duck Donuts franchise by using promo code NOHUGGING on their website. <gasps> oh, they might not like that. Franchises are expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, should we get started? Yeah, let's go. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. 
And we will be talking today about Season 8, Episode 13, The Comeback. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Money? Uh, first, Jerry's parents, uh, or his mom specifically, tell Jerry that maybe it's time to give up comedy and join Bloomingdale's executive training program. And I did find, I think this is a real thing, uh, because I found an ad for like a buying and planning executive development program that directed to bloomingdalescollege.com, but that seems to be dead and just redirects to the career page. But mm. I was able to find some other information about, you know, like executive training by Bloomingdale's, and it's a 12-month program in preparation for promotion oh to business God. sales manager. Yeah. And phase one, you learn selling and leadership fundamentals. Phase two, you learn leadership and business development. Uh, so you can learn to you know lead a team, and then phase three is independent leadership. And I guess if you pass that, if you do well enough, then they'll actually give you the job. But so this sounds to me like Glassdoor reviews the program at two point two stars out of five, and it seems out of five, out of five, yeah, yeah. Oof. So very middle of the road. Yeah, people have very middle of the road experiences, uh, but maybe it's just a rigorous program. I don't know. But it when I read this guy's review. It seems to be kind of like a glorified internship program. Like you do get paid, mm. but it seems to be more like they just hire a bunch of it's like aimed at college students, not, you know, stand up comedians in their late 30s, <laughs> um, like college students who are like, you know, desperate for a job straight out of school. And so they'll sign on to this thing for a year. And yeah. so this guy said, um, you know, th this one review I was able to read said, you know, pros, employee discounts are good and you get a $3,000 sign on bonus. Now, that's pretty awesome. But this this guy said, it's like being in college again. You're literally walking around with a book bag half the day to meetings you're expected to fully understand. The first phase of the program is selling. So you're a glorified sales rep while they feel out whether they want to keep you around. Supposedly, you're meeting with your mentor daily and doing a lot of homework. But he said, my mentor was on vacation for my first 30 days. Oh, my and God. <laughs> yeah, he was like my... My first time seeing her was my first day. The next time I saw her was when we were talking to the HR manager to implement a PIP. Um, I don't know what that is, but it doesn't sound good. It, it probably is like a sort of probationary thing and giving me a negative review of my first 30 days, despite a lack of total involvement due to being on vacation. Um, <laughs> and it's in ingrained in your head as a manager to not accept returns for worn items. Anyway, you're um, you're conned into believing that you're gaining real work experience while you're literally just following someone around like a lost puppy, acting as if you're entirely included in management. <laughs> wow! So it really oh does sound God. like a glorified internship gopher program that you know maybe you can make it through all three phases and and then be the person with a lost puppy following you. But yeah, <laughs> so it it does seem to be a real thing though. <laughs> wow! Yeah, I don't know if it's the fast track to the top floor that. Jerry's parents think it is, but it is a real thing. <laughs> also, Jerry said that he stays in the hotel under uh, a pseudonym because he can't stay under his real name, and the pseudonym is Slappy White. Uh, I was just going to let that go by, but Ted, you uh, thought it might be a real person, and it definitely is. Yes! <laughs> Melvin Edward Slappy White uh, died in 95 at age 74, was an American comedian and actor. He worked with Red Fox. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, he was on TV shows like Sanford and Son, Blossom, which comes up a lot, uh, and Sybil, and in the films Mr. Saturday Night, and the uh, sci-fi satire Amazon Women on the Moon. <laughs> and okay. he received his yeah he received his nickname from the manager of a local theater where he entered a talent contest with a friend, and the manager billed him as Slap and Happy. So I guess he combined the two <laughs> to come up with Slappy. <laughs> so there we go. I I had no idea. Wow, okay. <laughs> and finally, uh, the other little bit of homework we had was that um, I, it's Kramer screaming in his sleep sounded familiar. I was like, have we seen that before? And I couldn't find any reference to actually screaming in his sleep, but I might have been thinking of a scene, because, you know, this is all jumbled up in my head. This is the first time I'm watching it uh, for the first time in chronological order. And so I might have been thinking of a scene in an episode that's actually not too far off. But I was like, yeah, that... Uh, that looks like what was in my head. Like I, I could picture Kramer screaming in his sleep. And so uh, I think I must have been just jumbling up when, you know, whether or not we'd seen that yet. And and so I'm, I'm just going to say that's what it was. Okay. Do you, do you remember like what, what that scene was? What was it? Something that we haven't gotten to yet? Yes, we have not gotten to it yet, but it's not too far off. It's like, uh, it's episode 20 of this season. 
Oh, okay, okay. And he just he he has a nightmare in the middle of this episode, and and he does wake up screaming, and I'm like that that probably was it because that looks you know I was trying to picture in my head I was like we've seen Kramer screaming in his sleep before, right? So I'm I'm thinking that was it, and that's uh that's all I got. That's all we had for homework. All right, do we have anything for for news or anything? Not necessarily, although I did find, I forget why I, what led to me finding this article, but I found a Salon article from 2015, uh, and I don't remember what I typed in to pop up in the search, but it's a Salon article called 10 Seinfeld Episodes That Are Racist and Sexist in Retrospect. So I thought, (laughs) I I was like, I'm going to read through this and then I'll tweet it out for our No Hugging account. Wow, this is perfect for us. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) And not only is it you know perfect for us, but also in honor of our, our only one star review uh, from last week <laughs> that I was like, see, we're not the only ones that, that feel the need. So I will I'll tweet that out, and that's pretty much it. Uh, okay, well, I mean, we got through all of our stuff really quick, but kind of a yeah. kind of an uneventful like week in in terms of Seinfeld related news, but. Uh, if you've never listened to this show, show before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, I feel like I'm not lying about this this week. Despite <laughs> the last 13 minutes being just research, uh, we like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page uh, on Apple Podcasts. Just keep in mind, I have never seen these episodes before in my life. I'm watching them for the first time ever. Tim is watching them for the first time ever in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. Um, if you like what you hear, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. We are a five-star rated podcast, according to 35 out of 36 people. And uh, if you want to leave us the public review, we will send you a holographic No Hugging, No Learning sticker free of charge. We just uh, need your mailing address so we can send that out to you. That being said, Season 8, Episode 13, The Comeback, Original air date, January 30th, 1997. I was four years, one month, and ten days old at the time this aired. And, Tim, if you count this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 32 episodes until we become a uh, biographical podcast about going through the Bloomingdale's executive training program in 2022. (laughs) That would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's just uh, it's just an expose on on how much of a scam it is. Yeah, when I was picturing Jerry going through this, I, I was picturing I've never seen the movie, but the concept of the internship I think it's called with Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, where they're oh, like God, older, yeah. they're like dudes in their you know late thirties, whatever it's supposed to be, and they're interning with all these um, you know college kids at Google or something. <laughs> I think that's what it would be. I would be like a forty year old guy with like people half my age. Trying Trying to become a Bloomingdale executive, probably being probably be following around somebody who's ten years older than me, uh, who's already a Bloomingdale executive. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, I think that'd be great. Of, uh, speaking of Vince Vaughn and a bunch of nerds, um, we watched uh, huh. Dodgeball on Comedy Central <laughs> yesterday, and yeah. oh my god, there are some parts of that that do not hold up. Um, but oh, I am no. glad they were cut from the broadcast. <laughs> Oh, but you just remembered them, and you were like, "Hey, why didn't they put that part in?" Or oh no, like I I, I remembered, and then uh, they they say like like a line or two, and I'm like, "Oh God," <laughs> or or it's like or it's bleeped out, or just like uh, the the audio cuts out. And I'm like, "Oh, I remember what he says here." Uh, oh no, <laughs> jeez, yeah, I have not revisited that movie since it came out. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, back to back to what we were doing. If you're looking at TV Guide the Night of January 30th, 1997, you are going to see Jerry joins a tennis club, semicolon, a co-worker's insults, test George. I don't, I hate the first part because that doesn't even happen. Uh, it does not and, happen. You're right. And, <laughs> and the second part, I really feel like we can make better. So I can't wait to rip this thing apart uh, when we get to the he's end. Already part of, he's already part of the club. Like what? It seems like he's a member of two tennis clubs already. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he, he unless, does not. Unless the, sh- 
unless the shitty one is free to go to. I, I mean, <laughs> it, it looks in it yeah. looks like it's in a pretty rough part of New York. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that it looks like it may be one of those that doesn't require a membership. It just requires like a reservation, and you buy. You know, you you, you pay by the hour or something like that. <laughs> in which case, he didn't join that one either. You can't. So <laughs> that's true. It, that's true. It verifiably does not happen in this episode. <laughs> Um, okay, let's get started, though. We uh, we start with our cold open at Yankee Stadium. At a meeting, George is shoveling shrimp, cocktail shrimp, into his mouth. And Jesus. the guy sitting across from him at the table says, Hey, George, the ocean called. They said they're running out of shrimp, which gets a huge laugh from the rest of the office. <laughs> Rightly and- so, honestly. It's, it's been a yeah. while since we've had a good uh, George eating bit. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh and this was really probably uh, the late 90s i mean i think the blank called insult technology was still <laughs> relatively new you know oh my god are you kidding me <laughs> this was new at the time uh-huh. well probably probably back in the you know it was probably more like back in the 80s but i think like the okay. blank called and they said something <laughs> insulting about you was like you know still obviously still pretty funny <laughs> i <laughs> uh, and, and and it's sort of a, a joke structure that's kind of died out right i mean it's still around but it's probably not as popular it it's died out but i'm sure there's like some hack comedians trying to keep it alive well but but it's like edgy hat comedians where they'll yeah. do like a, a really like pg premise and it'll be like the ocean store called uh they found your mother floating face down in the ocean yeah, yeah. <laughs> or some something not funny like that. It just right. an anti punchline. Yeah, and so driving home after the you know the day is done, George is replaying the conversation in his head, and then he realizes that's what I should have said. He came up with the perfect comeback, as we all do. This is very relatable. Hours after the conversation has taken place, you know. <laughs> And we cut to the New York Health and Racket Club. And this is a location that was at 39 Whitehall Street in the financial district. So we know Jerry lives on the Upper West Side. And the financial district is all the way down. If, if he's on 81st Street, that may mean it's like, you know, 80 blocks away. It's oh all the way down to the gosh. tip of Manhattan. Like you could see the Statue of Liberty. It's in the financial, like a 40-minute subway ride easily. And, and like yeah. George coming from Yankee Stadium, I mean, at the end of a workday, I mean, <laughs> an hour at least, I think. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, is this where the World Trade Center was in, yeah, in this in area? That, yeah, in that area. Yeah. Okay. I've been to New York like three times, have not ventured down to where the World Trade Center was. Yeah, there's not much down there. You know, and it kind of, I remember being in New York and walking around the financial district. I think it was, you know, we were just a group of dudes like not from there not knowing where we're going just walking and all of a sudden we're like there is nobody around like this (laughs) like it literally shuts down at five like when everyone leaves like it was a ghost town wow um yeah so it's just weird that jerry is a member of this particular club you know a million miles away from where he actually is and jerry probably drove there which again you know 40 minute subway well we know he does take the subway i don't know where i don't know what jerry would do to get there but it, it can't be an easy drive either that's my point Oh, and by the way, eight months ago, due to the coronavirus pandemic, all these clubs announced they were closing. There were like, um, you know, several New York Health and Racquet Club locations in the Manhattan area and a little bit of surrounding, and, and they're all closing. Oh, well, or permanently or? Yeah. 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 Oh, man, that sucks. I know. Crazy. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's how I found the address for this one because. You know, I hate to say it, but Maps About Nothing had the incorrect location. They have been to a New York Health and Racket Club at a different location, but this one was definitely the 39 Whitehall Street location. So, um, yeah, and George is there uh, meeting Jerry, and he's telling him about the shrimp story and how he came up with the perfect line. And the way he tells it, I like the way that George always – we've seen him tell stories like this a lot of times where he revises the history. He's like, and I said, well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. And Jerry was like, "Wow, you really said that?" He was like, "No, I, you know, I thought about it later, but, <laughs> um, but he thought of the perfect zinger. That's his perfect zinger on the way home. The jerk store called, and they're running out of you. <laughs> Jesus Christ!" And Jerry goes to buy a can of balls from the pro shop, and Milos is the guy that works there, and he questions Jerry's racket. He's like, "Whoa, you're not going to hit these balls with this racket, are you?" 
Over at sh- <laughs> over at Champagne Video, Elaine is checking out the staff picks wall and runs into Kramer. Elaine likes the staff picks by by Vincent, who Kramer calls an art house goon, and he prefers Gene. And Elaine's like, "Oh, it's too mainstream, just so stupid." Uh, and Kramer's like, "Well, tonight I'm going with a Kramer pick called The Other Side of Darkness, which is a direct to video movie." And I love his line. He's like, "That means I'm the premiere." <laughs> <laughs> I wish that a direct-to-video movie had been ballsy enough to use that at a, as a tagline. Like, we're, we're direct-to-video. That means you're the world premiere, you know? <laughs> Make it all about the viewer. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> but I guess, like, being direct-to-video isn't something you wanted to call attention to. Like, now, isn't it crazy how streaming has changed that? It's like, you know, oh, yeah, it was direct-to-Netflix yeah, or as an Amazon Prime crap. premiere. It's like, oh, it couldn't even handle the theaters. It must be garbage. Like, no, that's not how it works anymore. Like, good movies are streaming exclusives <laughs> now, you know? Yeah, I I don't think, though, that there has been a Best Picture winner that has been a streaming first exclusive. Has there been, or am I am I forgetting something? No, I think you're right. That we there, There's been contenders. Yeah. There's been, like, very favorited contenders, but nothing has won no, yet. No, no. Um, but I'd definitely say in the next five years. Oh, yeah. De- yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a new concept. You know, it's only within the last couple of years that they've actually been dumping money into, like, that crazy... Uh, $500 million Netflix deal for the two Knives Out movies. Oh, I didn't know there was two coming. Yeah. I only heard of the one sequel. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I've been uh, I've been hearing a lot of stuff about the new Zack Snyder uh, zombie heist movie. Right. I don't know if you've heard much about this. Uh, I, I want to watch it, but oh boy, the reviews I've seen so far <laughs> are not painting it in a great light. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's a, is that a Netflix thing? It is a Netflix okay. thing, yeah. Yeah, I've only seen just you know just random chatter about it. I haven't actually read a review or seen anything <laughs> one way or another. Just that it exists, you know, and Bautista's in it. <laughs> I got to look at some of the visible video covers in the Champagne Video Store, Ooh. and I saw uh, a movie called French Kiss that I remember with Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein, uh, like kind of romantic comedy. A movie called Specters, I think. I don't know what that is. A uh, looks like a shitty martial arts movie called Black Belt. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> uh, a movie called The Other Woman. Uh, one called Angel Fury, but the title Angel Fury was really small. And the the three words that are much bigger than that are Cynthia Roth Rock. And I'm like, are those three different people's last names that are in it, or is the woman on the cover of the video named Cynthia Roth Rock? Because that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should look up Angel Fury next <laughs> they, week. <laughs> they, they knew what was going to sell that movie. It's who's in it. They're not oh. going to buy it because it's Angel Fury. No. It's Cynthia Rothrock. <laughs> duh. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a a longer, more ethnic last name that some agent was like, no, 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 you're not Cynthia Rothrock. You're Cynthia Rothrock. Like, okay. <laughs> the star. <laughs> we're... we're uh, we're changing one letter there, aren't we? Huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and oh, I saw so, uh, one of other one of Vincent's other picks is the Crying Game, which I know we've talked about before. I don't remember why it came up uh, in the Seinfeld uh, universe. Oh God, was it? Um, it wasn't. Oh no, I'm thinking of uh, Cry Cry Again. Right. Um, Maybe that's what I'm what getting was the mixed crying up with game? too. Maybe. I, we the Crying Game is that one um, where. Uh, it's like about a, a man dressed up as a woman or a woman dressed up as a man. Oh, okay, wait. Oh, oh, okay. It was when George saw his father wearing the bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And he said, it's like my own personal crying game. That's why we looked it up. Um, yeah. Okay. Yep. And so that's one of Vincent's picks and definitely an art house favorite. One, one of Gene picks, meanwhile, I saw was Revenge of the Nerds 3. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> So a great juxtaposition there between Vincent and Gene. Uh, up in the apartment, uh, Kramer's video was about a woman in a coma. And so he has written up an order for Jerry to pull the plug on Kramer if he's in a coma. And it's written in very f- formal uh, phrasing. Like, I, Kramer, having just seen... But it, it's like, I, Kramer, having just seen the movie The Other Side of Darkness and not wanting to be in a coma <laughs> like the woman in the movie... <laughs> Um, and so Jerry's like, I don't know if what you got here is illegally binding. And I love the camera goes, I was going to type it. <laughs> like, that's what makes it 
official. <laughs> Jerry's like, you might want to see a lawyer if you actually want to do something like this. He's like, well, Jackie Childs has a restraining order against me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and so, meanwhile, Jerry bought a new racket on Milosh's recommendation. Uh, and that's what was going on at the end of that earlier scene. Uh, meanwhile, Elaine is in bed and she is bawling, crying at Vincent's <laughs> latest pick, saying, bravo, Vincent. And then Vincent calls and asks if she enjoyed the movie. God, this was so creepy. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> creepy. But Elaine is enamored, but I'm like, oh, no, this, you know, that's Would not the right been... reaction. <laughs> we we need a woman's perspective on this. If if this would have been a flattering thing in the late 90s, because I, I don't think you or I, I, I mean, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have been. You were in high school at the time, but I don't think you'd be able to provide a, a proper response to to this i feel like this would be a very creepy thing can you yeah. ask your wife <laughs> yeah i can do that you know interestingly enough i mean not to jump too far ahead but i was 16 when this episode aired so oh shit right <laughs> not too far off from where we end up but i uh, i think it's akin to in the seinfeld universe getting someone's number off of an aids walk sign up list or something you know remember like jerry does <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good poll. It's no better than that. Uh, about the same <laughs> level of stalking. Over at Sutton Tennis Club East, or Sutton East Tennis Club, depending on how you want to read the awning, uh, which, by the way, is <laughs> still at 488 60th Street. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. So the, the elite New York Health and Racket Club's closing down, but Sutton Tennis Club East still open. The dirty shall prevail. Yeah. Uh, right there under the uh, and again pretty far jerry has to go through central park to get to this it's also on the <laughs> the opposite coast of new york from jerry not all the way down in the financial district but but it's it's right under the queensboro bridge which is on like the east side and i'm like jerry there's got to the i love calling it the opposite coast of new york <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it's on the east coast of new york whereas jerry is on the <laughs> He's not on the coast, but he's he's right there in the middle. Like, uh, and I'm like, Jerry, there's got to be tennis clubs on the Upper West Side. If uh, if New York was the country, Jerry's in like the Colorado of, of New York. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. <laughs> uh, I just I just don't get why he only goes to tennis clubs that are a hall from him. Um, maybe it's maybe it's kind of like the same reason as Milos that he doesn't want people to see him play that he might know you know from his neighborhood um, because Elaine and Jerry are there and Elaine talked to Vincent on the phone for like two hours uh, last night and they're playing at the Sutton Tennis Club because George used all of Jerry's guest passes so they can't play there uh, and that also speaks to the fact that this is not a new club that Jerry has joined because it, it, he's been a member long enough for George to use all his guest passes. I don't know how many you get, but, you know, you can't use them all in the day you join, you know? Yeah. And there's a guy who is just terrible at tennis, who keeps hitting his ball in the direction, like, right at Elaine and Jerry. And it turns out that the guy that's terrible at tennis is Milos. <laughs> I, I definitely thought it was Kramer at first. Like, cause <laughs> he's just, like, flopping. And I think he also, like, trips and stumbles with, without the camera like panning over to him at one point definitely thought it was just going to be Kramer and they weren't going to pay any attention to him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they weren't even going to recognize him. Maybe up in Jerry's apartment. Superman is on the shelf. This is where I noticed still nothing on the fridge, uh, but Superman is still on the bookshelf and Jerry feels duped into buying this $200 racket, uh, by Milo. She's awful at tennis. So what kind of advice is he giving? Uh, and Kramer did find a lawyer and he wants Jerry to be the executor of his will. Uh, meanwhile, George enters, and he's got a new meeting all set up with Riley now that he has the perfect line in mind. It's going to be a whole new audience. Um, and he explains the story to Elaine, and Elaine laughs at the shrimp line. At the ocean called, they're running out of shrimp. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, listen to this. The jerk store called, and they're running out of you, which is met with blank stares from everybody in the apartment. <laughs> I I love this. I loved everyone's just pure <laughs> non-reaction. Yeah, yeah. They all offer different punch-ups of the line. And Lane's like, how about your cranium called? It has some space to rent. Uh, and Z Jerry's like, hey, how about the zoo called? You're due back by five. And then Kramer says, why do you just say you had sex with his wife? <laughs> <laughs> And George is like, I, it, George is not looking for another line. He's like, 
I'm, I'm going with Jerk Store. Jerk Store is the line. And he goes he goes off on such a tirade that when he leaves, he gets an applause break. Yeah, this was so <laughs> odd. Like, he's screaming the words Jerk Store uh, like two or three times. And, and you're right. As he storms out, the crowd just erupts. <laughs> it was a great little performance, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether an applause break was needed because the scene. If it had been the end of the scene, maybe. But because the scene goes on, it, it causes a little weird timing issue. Like it kind felt, of yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt weird because of, because of that. Yeah, they all have to do the thing. They're like, huh, oh, just like that's our George. Oh boy, while they wait for everything to kind of die down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and as the scene c- continues, uh, Jerry, who he's gotten his old racket out of the trash that Kramer threw out, and now Kramer doesn't believe that Jerry will execute his will because he can't let go and, and follow Kramer's wishes to pull the plug. And so he and Jerry's like, "I love Jerry's line. Look, given the legal opportunity, I will kill you." <laughs> that was great. That was great. That was so unbelievably hilarious. And Kramer, but Kramer doesn't believe it. He asks Elaine, who is, you know, a calculating businesswoman, uh, you know, has no emotion. And Elaine takes it as a compliment. She's like, oh, come on. Uh, and we cut to the lawyer's office, and the lawyer is Ben Stein. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. From, of course, I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and, of course, from Win Ben Stein's Money. I, uh, th- this, I think I've told you this before. I still have never seen all of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know Ben Stein from Win Ben Stein's Money. Yes, I loved that show. It was great. I I don't know, like, when it originally aired or or what channel, but I I think I watched it, like, in two-hour blocks in reruns on Comedy Central. Yeah, yeah, and it I I don't remember when it originally aired either, but, I I, yeah, I know it was on Comedy Central first, and it's the show that, you know, that propelled... Jimmy Kimmel further into stardom. I think it was even pre-Man Show. Oh my God, really? Yeah, I forgot he was on that. Yeah, he was the host, and because because Ben Stein was um, playing, and Jimmy Kimmel was like the host who asked all the questions and stuff. And, Holy uh, yeah. shit! Was this still was this still chubby Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Wow. I gotta, I gotta look this up. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up in the background. You can keep going. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm sure he was on K Rock at that point. You know, which is why he was out in L.A. But oh um, yeah, definitely yeah, that one makes of sense. His, one of his first TV gigs, I want to say. The the uh, the radio jock getting his break in TV is probably what this was. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, it, it was it was definitely you know you win one for the you know he doesn't look like Ryan Seacrest for the ugly radio hosts the the radio hosts who were meant to stay on. Yeah, radio exactly. Got his break. Yeah. So uh, so Ben Stein is the lawyer, and they're going over different scenarios and trying to figure out when Kramer would want to be, you know, want to wait it out or when Kramer would want to have the plug pulled. Uh, and Elaine is mostly in favor of everything, you know, of pulling every time, except when they get to you can eat, but machines do everything else. And Elaine's like, I would stick. And Kramer's like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can still go to the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found your uh, Ben Stein info yet? I have. And for some reason, I was picturing, like, a young Jimmy Kimmel on this show being chubbier. Uh, he is not. He, I'd say, like, uh, he might You're right. uh, weigh I'd... more than I do, but I'd say, like, he's not chubby at all. No, no, this is skinny Kimmel. <laughs> God damn it. J- <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm... I'm I was going to try and punch it up by saying, like, Jimmy Skinnel, but it, that yeah. doesn't work. That's awful. <laughs> Skimmel would have been okay, right? Because skim means, well, no, I guess it's more like just skim milk. I think uh, I think skinny Kimmel might be the best, <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> the best way to go. Skinny Kimmel. Skinny Kimmel's not bad. Skinny Skimmel. <laughs> Let's just do both Son of them. Son of a bitch. Okay, we're, we're doing parodies of parodies <laughs> now. Yeah, you're right. So I guess he, I guess he bulked up when the man show came around. That might be it. That might be it. Yeah. <laughs> so back at New York Health and Racket Club, Jerry is meeting Milos there. And, you know, he feels duped about buying the $200 racket. And Milos is trying to get Jerry to keep his secret. Meanwhile, Jerry is flirting with one of the shoppers in the pro shop, this uh, attractive woman that is also uh, shopping. I, and I, I liked his, this is a line that could only work for a, you know, relatively, I mean, I guess good looking, at least he's fit 
guy like Jerry Seinfeld. When he walks out, he goes, tennis anyone? Yeah, how is this a pickup line? In, <laughs> in what world? Well, I know tennis anyone. I don't know if that's like from something, but I know it's like, you know, the, like a tennis cliche if such a thing can exist. <laughs> you know, like a tennis, a tennis catchphrase, <laughs> tennis anyone? I don't know where I'll, I'll write that down and see if I can figure out where the so maybe it's just like such an old joke that that's why it does, that's why I kind of get that it's a reference to something. But you're like, how is that a pickup line? Tennis, anyone? It's just something you like. I don't know. You say if you're like impersonating a rich person. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, where is that from? <laughs> so back over at Champagne Video, Vince picks for his pick this week vince's pick is the pain and the yearning which is the sort of rare two vhs movie because it's 192 minutes and elaine's like these movies i mean they're so long and emotionally exhausting and kramer's like oh you know what you need is a gene pick and so he picks out weekend at bernie's two for elaine and uh kramer's not renting anything because he's got to finish the other side of darkness there's Two hours left. She slipped into the coma pretty quick, and that's when it freaked Kramer out, and he just decided to work on his living will. <laughs> I um, I, I gotta say, now that we've had we've had two of three scenes in Champagne video, kind of upset that they didn't bring back Patton. Yeah, I know. I was I was kind of hoping. I didn't remember if he came back, but I yeah loved loved Patton. But uh, yeah. But uh, also I did love the juxtaposition of immediately after this scene, we go to Elaine's watching Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> yeah, and she hates it. <laughs> oh, she's ripping it apart. What, what did she say? She's like, uh, "How does him wearing sunglasses make you think he's alive or something?" Yeah. That was good. And I love that she started with two. Like, a, a movie with that flimsy of a premise, <laughs> they shouldn't have made a sequel to anyway, but you, you might want to start with the first one, because that's where they're going to use all the best jokes, you know, about this one thing where there's, like, two jokes about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I haven't seen them, but I'm guessing Weekend at Bernie's 2 is much like uh, The Hangover 2, which I unfortunately have seen, uh, in where it's literally all of the same jokes and the same bits. Yeah. Just in a different location. I remember Austin Powers 2 was exactly the same. It's like, let's just give them all the same stuff. Just change a couple of the words. You know? <laughs> like uh, like an Austin Powers. Just, cha just change a couple of names. Yeah. But sometimes it was the same. Like in Austin Powers, Will Ferrell's character gets dumped into that fire pit and survives. And he's like, I'm down here, but I'm burned. And they keep... Um, and then in the second one, he comes back and he falls down the hill and he's like, I fell down the hill, but I'm hurt. And that goes on for another. I'm like, this is the exact, you guys didn't even, you got the same actor who supposedly but, died in the first one. Let me, let me ask you this. This movie came out in 99. Tim confirmed to us how old you were in 99. I was 18. See, I was seven, and I thought that was fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I loved the uh, two Austin Powers <laughs> movies. The third one's the only one I, I didn't really – I think I saw it once, and I was like, ah, the first two are good enough for me. But no, the, the first two are, are gold, are comedy gold. Really? You, yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, you can't – you can't put down the number. You can't put down the third one, calling the first two gold without <laughs> yeah, saying gold member. I loved gold member. I thought it was good. I just haven't uh, seen then, it. Then again, it's two thousand and seven comedy. Yeah, I just never, I just never saw it. But, but definitely like my entire identity in, you know, when the first two Austin Powers movies came out was Austin Powers. Everything <laughs> just like I wanted, you know. What? Okay, let me let me ask you this: uh, Were high school? Uh, guys in like 99, 2000 quoting Austin Powers movies with the same ferocity as uh, high school guys in 2010, 2011 quoting Borat? Uh, to that, I would say, yeah, baby! <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and by the way, the, the first Austin Powers, so Austin Powers 2 was 99, so Austin Powers was 97, so right around when this uh, you know episode uh, was out, and so oh, yeah. I was I was sixteen in ninety seven. So even better. <laughs> How long until we become an Austin Powers podcast? <laughs> we we need to do. <laughs> I would love to do it in the style of those minute podcasts where they watch them. You know, the, like Star Wars minute, where they watch a minute of the movie at a time and yeah. talk for like thirty minutes about one minute. <laughs> I um I found a I haven't listened to any of their episodes, but I want to uh, a podcast called Adam Sandler. Please stop. Where. <laughs> They go through all of like his filmography, 
But as you can imagine, they caught up ra- rather quick. Yeah. But then they branched off into different seasons um, where they did uh, a season of like all Happy Madison yeah. movies. They did a season of uh, where the name of the show is Adam Sandler, Please Stop. There's a season of Kevin James, Never Start. Uh, <laughs> I think they did a season of like all David Spade movies. <laughs> But I want to listen to it. It looks it looks like it's pretty good. Then again, again, haven't listened to a single episode of it. So this is my endorsement before I'm going into it. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's not great. Yeah. Um. Who maybe knows? They completely missed I, the mark. I, I will know soon, hopefully, <laughs> if I find the time. Yeah. Um. Where the hell are we? Uh. Oh yeah. Elaine was crying over the. Uh, Elena's uh, yeah she's very upset about Weekend at Bernie's and she hates it and Vincent calls and he is upset that she did not rent uh, Vincent's pick as she went with Gene's pick she's like I, I don't I don't even like it it doesn't mean anything and back over at Yankee Stadium George is uh, you know ready to chow down on some shrimp uh, for Riley but Riley's not there Riley is the guy that delivered the uh, zinger to George earlier and Riley doesn't work uh, for the Yankees anymore and George is like well I didn't hear about this why didn't anybody tell me about this and then someone else gets another great line on George oh uh we only wake you up for the important meetings <laughs> oh fuck I'd say that was a bigger zinger than the shrimp the ocean called they're running out of shrimp oh one I mean. 100% oh my god that was much more biting in so many ways <laughs> And it got, again, a huge laugh. I mean, I guess maybe George is like a one crisis at a time guy. He's like, oh, my gosh, he's all right. This guy's going to keep working here. I've got to focus on Riley. I'll get this guy back later. <laughs> maybe he uh, maybe he should have used his jerk store line right then. Oh, yeah? Well, the jerk store called, and you are due for a meeting there. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> you missed your... You missed all the meetings there or something like that. The, the, the jerk office <laughs> called or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the meeting of the jerks called, and they say they elected you president and CEO. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Outside of uh, Jerry's apartment, a woman is waiting there for him, and it's the woman from the shop that he was flirting with. She says, Milos gave me your address. Which is also kind of a very Vincent Vincentish way to get somebody's home information, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're gonna find out really what's going on later, but that doesn't cause any red flags for Jerry just with the information he has right now. It's like, oh, I got your address in a roundabout way. <laughs> um, but Jerry's just a horn dog, so you know he doesn't he doesn't care how a woman finds him. And he's like, well, you want to go get something to eat? She's like, why don't we just go up to your apartment? And she starts walking upstairs that we've never seen. Uh, in the exterior shots of Jerry's building. <laughs> no, we have not. I, I had no idea this was Jerry's apartment. <laughs> I know. Because it, it, it's a totally... Not only is the like the stairs different, the entire exterior of the building <laughs> is different. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a townhouse, like a red brick townhouse. I'm like, this is not the entrance yeah. to... This is not any entrance to Jerry's building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where she's walking, but yeah, she's not going into Jerry's building. I can tell you that. In Kramer's apartment, he's watching the movie. He sits down to watch the rest of the movie, and the woman wakes up from the coma. And Kramer looks really surprised by this. <laughs> I I loved. I don't know if you were gonna like mention what the woman in the movie says, but oh my god, this was gold. She's like, oh, I feel so rested and refreshed. Could somebody grab me a toothbrush? Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It also reminds me of another great Austin Powers joke when he's unfrozen and he like pisses for like 90 seconds, you know, or however long it is. <laughs> up in so up in Jerry's apartment, uh the woman the the mysterious shopper comes on to Jerry pretty hardcore, but right as she's about to kiss him, she starts crying. She says I can't do this. Milos is my husband and she was doing it for him. Oh. Yeah. And so that's where we get a little ad break. But back in the uh, apartment after that, uh, Jerry is telling George that he did not go through with, you know, having sex with Milos's wife to make up for him buying this $200 rack and under false pretenses. George, was, is it George that goes, let me guess, because of society? Yeah. And like <laughs> the, the face that he gives is the ugh face, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That, 
I, I don't even have the words to say how wrong this is. Holy fuck. Yeah, uh, let me guess. Because of society, because of morals and ethics. Oh. <laughs> but George is just getting, that means George is just getting closer to becoming the Joker because, you know, that, yeah, that's definitely a man yeah. who eschews the morals and ethics of modern society <laughs> to teach it a lesson. I, I can feel the one-star reviews raining down on me. <laughs> Because of society. Yeah, George, because of society. <laughs> and and that, George, that's exactly how yeah. Jerry delivers his 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 uh, retort to George. She was like, yes, because of society. Yeah. So many times. And this is definitely another case where George couldn't go through with it either. Just in the case of the threesome episode where, you know, Jerry's like, I'm not a threesome guy. I can't do the threesome. And, and he's like, you couldn't do it either. And George is like, you're right. He, he agrees that he wouldn't have the guts to go through with it either. Uh, George still believes in the jerk store line, but you know now that Riley doesn't work there, he needs to to find another way to to deliver it. And Kramer comes in and tells Jerry about the end of the movie that the woman wakes up and uh, George is there. He's like, "Oh, I wanted to see that." So the ending's been spoiled <laughs> for him. And Kramer now wants out of all the stipulations in this will that he put together because he didn't know that you could wake up from a coma. <laughs> I I really like Jerry's line. Because uh, I, I think Kramer's exact phrasing is like, I didn't know it was possible to, to wake up from a coma. And Jerry's like, I didn't know it was possible for someone to not know that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, so back over at Champagne Video, Vince's picks are four copies of the movie Betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by the way, is a real movie. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, from 1988, Deborah Winger and Tom Berenger. Uh, written by Joe Esterhaus, the genius behind Showgirls and and other stuff. Oh, Basic Instinct as well. And it's roughly based on U.S. white supremacist terrorist Robert Matthews and his group The Order. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it doesn't. It looks like a. It does look like a, an overwrought romantic drama, but there's nothing that indicates. There may be a burning cross on the front of it. Now that there's a cross, it must be a burning cross on the front of the movie. Oh, um, okay. I'm guessing. I don't know, but I'm like, how do you turn a movie about a a, a neo-Nazi terrorist um, into like a romantic? It looks very romantic, you know. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't know, but Kramer tells Elaine that he's up for the coma. He doesn't want to be taken out of the coma because uh, he knows that he, you can wake up now. And Elaine, meanwhile, blames Kramer for Vince, the Vince situation. Uh, and as the guy comes up who works there and removes Vince's nameplate and replaces it with another Gene nameplate, and Vincent has stopped making picks. Uh, but as he tells Elaine, you know, we have a wide variety of Gene picks. And Elaine goes, Gene's trash. The guy goes, I'm Gene. <laughs> I I want to know here, is is it Vincent then? Or is it Gene who put four copies of Betrayed it, up, on, up on the rack? I think it's Vincent. But it, he must have said like, hey, Gene, when Elaine comes in and sees that my, you know, my picks are all copies of Betrayed, uh, go ahead and I'm not making any more picks. Take yours down and. You know, and you can put your name played up or whatever. I'm not making any more picks. So highly specific instructions for uh, for someone to take from what well, I mean, what we learn about <laughs> Vincent later on. That's true, because Gene is definitely an older gentleman. Yeah, G- Gene is someone you would expect to work in a video store. Yeah, he, he's he's an adult. <laughs> uh, back at the New York Health and Racket Club, Milo's just telling Jerry that his his wife has now lost all respect for him. And I love Jerry's line here. Well, I guess that's the risk you take when you dabble in the f- flesh trade. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so Milos comes up with another plan. He says, can I beat you in tennis to prove to my wife that I'm still a man? And I love the the way they talk here because Jerry's like, okay, I'll do it if no one's around. I don't want if I don't want any other women around. I want to be a man too. <laughs> <laughs> I like how this is still in the same conversation of like Milos trying to make it up to Jerry by like, giving jerry something or doing a or doing a favor for jerry but it it comes back to jerry doing a favor for milos yeah now it's got now jerry (laughs) owes milos even though milos still owes jerry from before yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, over at monks vince mailed the play button from his vcr to elaine and i noticed I tried to get a, g- a good look at maybe when it's upgraded to 4K, as we've been talking about it on our Twitter account, we'll be able to see the address on this 
envelope, but it definitely did not look like it said New York or, you know, it, it didn't look like a New York address. It looked like something else oh, on, on the envelope. Yeah, it looked kind of weird. Or at least not a New York City address. It looked kind of weird. And George comes in and he is going to Riley's new place of work, which is Firestone. He started working for the tire company in Akron, Ohio. And so he's going there to deliver the zing to Riley. And Elaine now is just like breaking it down bluntly for George. Like, look, it's it's not a good line. It's confusing, really. I mean, there is no jerk store. <laughs> and, and George here, uh, George like doubles down. He's like, it's a smart joke. A smart crowd will appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm not going to dumb it down for some bonehead <laughs> yeah. mass audience. That's right. And the whole, <laughs> the whole restaurant turns toward it. <laughs> Yeah, because he was motioning to everybody. He was like, not you. Not you. <laughs> uh, so over at Elaine's, she is now watching the pain and the yearning. And Vincent calls, and they agree to meet up. How did you like the one line that we hear from the pain and the yearning? Did you did you remember what it was? What was it? No. It's, oh, how I long to be free from the pain. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't throw the yearning in there. Yeah, I know. Pain and the yearning. <laughs> um, over at Kramer's, he is driving overly careful uh, to his lawyer's office uh, trying to get out of the will. Uh, and at the lawyer's office, Kramer missed his appointment by four hours. He had a 1030 <laughs> appointment and it's after two. Uh, and uh, the, the lawyer, Mr. Shellback, had a tennis lesson. So that's where he is now. Uh, over at the back at Sutton uh, Tennis Club, Jerry is taking a dive uh, two episodes after saying he doesn't do that. Do we remember in uh, The Little oh Jerry my God. when he was like, the real Jerry Seinfeld doesn't take a dive and neither does Little Jerry Seinfeld or something like You're that. You're right. Yeah. It's been two episodes. What what happened? Now he's what, taking a dive. What, what about his philosophy changed in two episodes that now he's taking a dive? Yeah. Yeah, we, we see your true colors, Jerry. Uh, but And Milos is winning, but he's also trash-talking Jerry pretty hard, which is, you know, uh, Jerry's getting fed up with. <laughs> yeah, Milos is he's pretty brutal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just so <laughs> anything that happens to Milos, he brought on himself after, you know, calling Jerry a little baby and, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, over at Vincent's apartment, Elaine brought some stuff that Vince had asked to bring from the store and he won't open the door, but then a woman shows up that turns out to be Vincent's mom, who pushes the door open, and we see that Vincent is a kid who yells, My acne! <laughs> oh my god. I, I I think it's here that his mom says that he's 15. Yes. Um, but also, like, she digs through the bag of stuff that Elaine brought over, and how this wasn't a red flag, I don't know, <laughs> but she brought over... Uh, Vodka, fireworks, and cigarettes. Yeah. I love that there's one store in New York City that sells all of that yeah. stuff. Mainly the fireworks. I mean, I'm sure there's a store that sells, I don't know the, the laws up there, but liquor and, and cigarettes is one thing. But then fireworks. It's like uh, it's like the store we used to have in Erie right off the interstate that's like, oh, yeah, fireworks, yeah, yeah. jelly beans, and uh, ninja throwing stars. Yeah. <laughs> I love that place. Uh, yeah, so she's like, what kind of stuff is this to bring to a 15-year-old kid? And <laughs> Elaine, and then she's like, did he send you part of our VCR? Oh, yeah, because Elaine's like, we have the same taste in movies. And she's like, did, did he send you part of our VCR? Uh, and Elaine had made a necklace out of the play button, oh. and she's wearing it. <laughs> oh. I, I'm wondering at this point if Vincent has either done this before or his mom noticed that the play button was missing. I, I I can't decide in my mind which it is. What do yeah. you think it is? I want. I think the first way is funnier, and it's definitely implied that, like, wait a second. Did he send you? Yeah, because she would notice the play button's missing, and I, I agree. I thought of that the same way, but I like it that he he does this multiple times to, like, old, you know, <laughs> to, to older women. I mean, it's tough not to be older than Vincent um, if you're going to a video <laughs> store. But, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the idea that he do has done this several times to women who are like, "Oh, Vince's pics are so emotional, and he's a such a <laughs> you know an interesting spirit or whatever." Okay. Well, now that we now that we know what we know about Vincent, how does he have the pull at Champagne Video to like have his own rack of pics and 
have like the number of the store and the rapport with the employees to get the phone number and the address of their members. Yeah. I mean, he can get into the system. That's, you know, that's got to be easy to do. But also, he's a 15-year-old who sets his own hours. What? That's not how a, a job works. <laughs> Especially like a, a, a job like that. Yeah, I know. I mean, you can you can mention your availability, but that's not the same as setting your own hours. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe Vince's family owns Champagne Video. Oh, that's something I didn't think of. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. And that's that's why he gets his own shelf, and that's why he can set his own hours, and that's why. Man, <laughs> that's a good theory. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the case. <laughs> Uh, but so Elaine, uh, you know, once everyone goes inside, Elaine takes the vodka out of the grocery bag, drops the cigarettes and, and fireworks and and just uh, <laughs> saunters off, having been catfished by a 15 year old, essentially <laughs> <laughs> catfished over the phone. I mean, that's how they used to do it, Ted. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, back at uh, Sutton Tennis Club, Jerry is fed up with Milos's trash talking and starts actually playing and, you know, actually hitting it so Milos can't hit it and stuff like that. Uh, and Kramer shows up to see uh, Shellback. You know, honestly, everybody else called him Shellbach, I think. And it's Kramer, who, you know, often butchers people's names and stuff like that, says Shellback. And it's at this point, yeah. I'm like, Shellback, that's interesting. Is that because Ben Stein is very turtle like? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And they call him Shellback. <laughs> um, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, with the captions on, the spelling is S H E L L B A C H. That's so what I figured. It, it is. It is shell like Shellbach. Yeah, but uh, spelling wise. But when but Kramer really you know le- leans into the K sound here when he's like Shellback, and it's mm-hmm. at this point because before it didn't occur to me. I was like, oh Shellbach, yeah, that makes sense. But when he says Shellback, I'm like, was this like a because, you know, <laughs> Ben Stein speaks slowly and deliberately, you know, and is, is yeah. very turtly. Also, at this point, um, why is his attorney going to Sutton Tennis Club? <laughs> yeah, maybe that is a location thing. But you figure this is the guy that would make the money that could go to New York Health and Racket Club. For sure. Yeah, no idea. Milos flings his racket as he misses a shot that Jerry has hit. And it hits the ball machine operator who falls over onto the ball machine, which is now aiming at Kramer. And he's hit in the face several times with tennis balls to the face. And this was a great shot in slow-mo because the ball hits Kramer's head and then his head hits the back of the wall. And it was just, it does that like three or four times. And I really liked that motion each time. You know, it's, it, it'd be one thing if his head stayed still, but the fact that it recoils hits the wall, comes back, and it's at that point another ball. I, d- I just like the way that they, they shot this. It was it was very well shot. Over in Akron, George is meeting under the pretense of having a snow tire day at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and everyone thinks the idea <laughs> sucks, but George is just there scarfing down shrimp, and Riley does try the line again. And George, who, by the way, did you just notice, like, they obviously had to cut this part out, but George has, like, several whole shrimp, tails included in his mouth, when Riley delivers the line, and then when it cuts back to George, it looked like he had spit out all of those shrimp into his hand. No, I didn't see that. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no, I was like, what is he going to do? How is he going to deliver the line? Because his mouth, and I, I think it's in his hands, but they don't show him having spit it out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't even know if him spitting out is supposed to be part of the story, but he does have some shrimp in his hands. And he stands up and delivers the line, you know, while the jerk store called and they're running out of you. But then Riley's got an immediate comeback to that and says, what's the difference? You're their all-time bestseller, which also gets uh. huge laughs from the crowd. But then George, uh, you know, who only has one line left in the chamber, that's Kramer's line. He says, oh, yeah, well, I had sex with your wife. And then the uh, silence, just <laughs> yeah. stunned silence. And the guy who is seemingly in charge of this, you know, whatever is going on at Firestone, the guy at the head of the table stands up and says, his wife's in a coma. Jesus Christ Uh, over at I liked how they worked the coma the coma angle into the other storyline by the way how that was you know a part of Kramer's whole thing yeah I thought that was good it's you know it's it's almost it's kind of come it's it's not full circle it's more just like parallel it's a parallel line I don't know Uh, up in the the hospital Elaine and Jerry Jerry is there visiting Kramer and Elaine shows up and brings a VCR so uh, Kramer can watch a gene pick and cheer up Kramer wakes up 
at the moment he sees Elaine pulling one of the plugs uh, <laughs> to plug in her VCR, but Kramer, of course, waking up, thinks that Elaine has killed him via the the will that he had set forth. Uh, and he While screams. screaming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he screams. Uh, and we get one last little scene, and George lands in New York, arriving from Akron, still fuming about being zinged again, and he comes up with another line, something he should have said, and immediately pulls a U-turn to, I guess, go back to Akron and try to get the whole thing going again. Does it <laughs> yeah. have to start yeah. from? Does it have to start from the shrimp line? Does he have to do the whole shrimp thing again? I don't know. I don't know if he has to like set up the whole whole bit again, like call another meeting about another potential snow tire day at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and eat enough know. shrimp that Riley tries the line again, and then George does his line, and then hope that Riley follows the script and, and does his jerk store follow-up again. <laughs> and then George has to say, I had sex with your wife, and then somebody has to say she's in a coma, and then George can deliver his line. But when he or, delivers or was his, his the line about the line wife... Was his new, yeah, is, is his new line in place of I had sex with your wife? Or is it in response to the shocked silence of his wife being in a coma? It seemed like, because George is trying out some stuff. He's like, yeah, well, the life support machine called and it, uh, you know, he, he can't think of a, you know, he can't think of a good line. So we don't know what the follow-up line is, but I'm thinking it's in follow, it's, you know, in follow-up to the conversation we just saw. Because his, his yeah, the initial yeah. tryout is, you know, unless he replayed, you know, went back in his head and was like, oh, instead of having sex with your wife, I should have said this. Maybe it reboots from that little, from that point on, you know. <laughs> um, and that's the end of the episode. <sighs> All right. What do we got for homework this week? I wrote down, uh, we'll get more info about the movie Angel Fury starring potentially Cynthia Rothrock or someone named like James Cynthia Ted Rock <laughs> and wait. Roth, Roth, oh, the, uh, David Lee Roth, and yes, <laughs> and Ted Rock. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm surprised you didn't pull the get the the Chris Rock in there. Chris Rock, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, oh yeah, tennis. Anyone? Is that where where did that reference oh, yeah. come from? Yeah, and that's it. All right, what do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. I mean, uh, George stuff in his face might be a good one. You know. Mm, space yeah, with if, I, if I can get a if I can get a good uh screen cap of him with like four or five shrimp <laughs> hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah, that could be good. Um you know, Kramer getting hit in the face with a ball might be funny. Yeah. I, I think I think those two are my vote. What did anything jump out to you? Nothing really jumped out, but I, I like those. I like those. I'll yeah. I'll see what one I can make work. All right, and let's revisit this week's description and see if we can make it a little bit better. Okay, but we can. So we had Jerry joins a tennis club, semicolon, a co-worker's insults test George. I love the second half of it. It's very, very simple. Yeah. Um, and it happens very early. I hate, <laughs> like you said, I hate Jerry joins a tennis club because like you said, that does not uh, happen. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we've seen them at a New York health and racket club several times like maybe as early as like season yeah. two or three yeah this is a place that jerry frequents yeah it, it is his gym <laughs> yes yeah yeah totally so that is untrue on so many levels I, I like i mean i think we can make this something like i don't know if we want to take it further than this but just as a jumping off point jerry feels duped by a tennis pro or something or dennis or jerry feels duped by Maybe I like including that it's a person that duped because like Jerry feels duped into buying an expensive racket. I mean, that's not not. What if we yeah, what if we um keeping with like what happens in the first scene of it and also trying to like play into the rest of the episode without giving too much away? What if it's something like Jerry is persuaded by a tennis shop employee? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I because like that. It, he's persuaded into buying the racket. He's persuaded into throwing the game. Mm -hmm. He's persuaded into uh, almost falling into the flesh trade industry. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. Jerry is, would you say Jerry is persuaded by a tennis shop by, employee? Uh, yeah, let's do like a by a tennis pro shop employee. I wouldn't mind including because he is he is persuaded in several different ways, but Jerry is persuaded. Let me see, because like I would love to include something like to buy a racket. Jerry's persuaded to buy a racket by, but that's not totally interesting. What about a um, maybe not maybe dupes is too strong a word, but what about a uh, a tennis a tennis shop 
employee again we can replace the word dupes jerry maybe that's the end of it dupes jerry hmm. but is there a better word than dupe now i've said dupe so much it sounds like not a real word <laughs> dupe 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 you're right <laughs> dupe dupe Dece- what about deceives see. what about deceives deceives is great yeah. yes i was just about to look up synonyms yeah. but deceives is good <laughs> okay a, te- a tennis pro shop employee deceives jerry yeah. semicolon a co-worker's insults test george love it there we go <laughs> Doop, 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 doop. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next week, uh, Well, uh, before we get into this, what, what did you think of this one, watching it back? You know, I liked it, and I laughed a lot. I didn't star it, though, but it's a good, just a good baseline episode. I really, I had a good time watching it. It's not elite tier to me, but it's just a great episode. Really? See, I, I like how we're kind of... Um, we're kind of flip-flopping mm-hmm. this season. I starred this episode. Oh. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I, again, having never seen it before, um, I thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. And and the jerk store is one of those lines in the pantheon of, of stuff that Seinfeld fans love to quote. The jerk store line. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, of, the well, one of the things, and uh, I, I, I've brought this up many times before, of like things I knew uh, about the show before going in. I didn't know this was from the show, but I knew this line. Oh, really? Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's funny. The jerk oh, store call. Oh, boy. Yeah, so it's definitely uh, well, an iconic episode because of that. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah, like, for sure. I was like, I'm, I'm just kind of enjoying this all the way through, but there really wasn't that home run, laugh out loud moment that'll make me go, all right, you get a star. Okay, I get it. See, yeah, I, I think uh, what, what sealed it for me was was the ending like George finally delivering the line and it's just something way out of left field like oh his wife's in a coma like Jesus Christ okay yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and that's maybe that's why we you know diverge as well because I've seen this episode and I've loved this episode for such a long time I'm like yeah that episode holds up but you're like you know you're experiencing it for the first time and so you're having the reaction that everybody had seeing this for the first time so it makes total sense that you you love this episode yeah All right. Well, uh, next week we've got season eight, episode 14, The Van Buren Boys. Original air date, February 5th, 1997. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see George interviews student candidates for Susan's scholarship. Hmm. Not bad. Uh, I know that just hearing the title of this, longtime fans for years are going to be excited about this episode. It's another, uh, you know, lots of classic moments from this episode uh, on the way. And who... Whoever said that season eight falters once Larry David leaves, I feel like this is as strong as any. Yeah, I'll agree that it took a few episodes to find its footing because, you know, I was mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. worried through like the first, I don't know, seven or eight episodes. I was like, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. These are all great episodes, but nothing's really blowing my socks off like it had previously. But they found their voice, I think, again. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. I think I, I'll have to go back and look, but I, I think I did like star one or two in, in the first first uh like two months yeah uh two months worth of episodes or, or like first like seven or eight episodes but definitely like as we get into the the middle of the season here i'm like i wouldn't be able to tell you that this is any different from seasons one through seven if you didn't tell me that larry david was gone yeah I, and i did star uh season eight episode three the bizarro jerry but after that i i think i had a long drought where I was worried, I was like, "Are we not gonna?" Oh yeah, and then I um, and then I starred the chicken roaster, which was episode eight, and I felt like just out of okay, just out of respect for like it's just a great episode, <laughs> you know, Jerry and Kramer switch. But I even wrote next to it, I was like, "Low." Yeah, <laughs> I, I gave it a star for nostalgic reasons mainly. <laughs> um, all right, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Doop, 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 doop.